Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on this week's show, all of the details about the Champions League on CBS. We analyze what the MLS Cup final ratings mean for Major League Soccer and ABC. What CBS acquiring Champions League rights means for soccer in the United States. Where the Bundesliga goes from here. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayer. Kartik, for those listeners who haven't had a chance to listen to this podcast before, um, this is the only soccer media podcast in the business. What we do every week is we talk about everything from TV ratings to TV rights to reviews of new apps and uh, new streaming services, uh, as well as talking about the coverage of the beautiful game in terms of whether it's television or streaming, uh, our thoughts on different commentators and production. Um, Most of our listeners eat, live and breathe soccer seven days a week. And um, as we're watching the beautiful game and watching all these soccer matches, oftentimes we have opinions about who has the best coverage and who uh, has come come uh, the furthest uh, along in terms of improvements, etc. Now, Kartik, this is probably going to be one of our biggest shows of the year. We've got um, a discussion about CBS that came out of nowhere. We've also got discussion, of course, about uh, Major League Soccer uh, and the TV ratings, which is always a big uh, discussion point around the MLS Cup final. But let's start off this week's podcast by talking about what you thought of ABC's coverage of the 2019 MLS Cup final. The first MLS Cup final on ABC in 11 years. Yeah, 2008 final, uh, Columbus and, and the Red Bulls. Uh, I remember that that final well. Uh, Columbus steamrolled through that season. That was the last time it was on ABC. They kicked off. Uh, that, that match was on the West Coast. Those were the days when they had, uh, by the way, MLS Cup was at a neutral site venue until pretty recently i want to say 2011 or 2012 is when it shifted to uh the team with the best uh best record that are most points uh hosting so uh, that was a neutral site uh it was bad optics it was the middle of the morning uh in uh um in in or late morning in california where the match was played and abc dispensed with covering they, they stopped putting mls cup on abc the next year seattle uh 10 years later we're again in seattle prime time on ESPN. The number goes down slightly, but the optics, everything was much better. So uh, we returned to daytime and ABC for the first time in 11 years for 2019. And I thought uh, they did the best they could. I didn't like the time slot. I didn't like the fact that um, 
it ended up being on the West Coast, which I think muted maybe some of uh, the energy and pregame. Uh, then again, Seattle is, is a great venue. Of course, it was on turf, which is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think uh, overall, uh, as, as competitive as MLS is uh, allegedly, um, you had the same final for the third time in four seasons. And um, I, I, I think that that's great if it's the teams that MLS is building their their stories about and building uh, their brand around, like LAFC, like Atlanta United. But it ends up being Seattle, who we know has a massive following, and Toronto, who is not a U.S. team. So when we're talking in the context of U.S. ratings, I, I know you and I have had a disagreement about the ratings this week. I thought the rating was actually pretty good, considering Toronto was in the match. Um, but that's that all... Um, uh, inhibited uh, the the, uh, the the ability to get a, a great rating for this broadcast. Uh, the thing I will say, though, is ABC, ESPN coverage is far better than Fox. Uh, John Champion won an upgrade over what we've historically had in terms of commentators in this country. Uh, Taylor Twelman as co-commentator. Uh, look, I like Stu Holden, but... Uh, uh, I, it, it, it's still they're, they're not comparable, right? Taylor Twelman is on a different level. Uh, he's on an elite level as far as a co-commentary. Uh, and then just the production. I, I, I hate – look, Chris, we try to be fair to Fox, right? Mm-hmm. We try to be objective about this. And I have defended Fox at times. People don't believe I have, but I have. Go back and listen to earlier editions of this podcast. Uh, but then when you compare the production – and just the professionalism, that's the word I have to use, of the presentation on Sunday uh, of MLS Cup on uh, ABC, ESPN on ABC, uh, versus what we had on Fox the previous year. It's night and day. So what about the uh, pregame show? I, th- I, thought it was, uh, I thought it was okay. I mean, look, again, in the context of Fox – um, it's better than that. It's kind of what they do for U.S. men's national team games also, right? Their pregame show is kind of this um, – it's not a full-on pregame show. There's a lot of mixed things in it. I'm, I'm talking specifically about what ESPN does. Mm-hmm. Um, they, don't, they don't have the block of time. Now, this is, this is the criticism, right, of ESPN and ABC – well, ABC in this case, but ESPN. They don't necessarily devote the blocks of time to pregame that Fox does. However, again, maybe um, maybe it's just my personal preferences. I get as much information out of uh, 15 minutes of, 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 an a, of an ABC ESPN lead-in than an hour and a half or two hours of a Fox lead-in. So, so for context, so for me, it was a completely different experience. Um, uh, as most of our listeners know, about two years ago, I cut the cord. So I got rid of cable, got rid of uh, Comcast, and um, have Fubo TV, have Sling TV, uh, have uh, Fanatis and, and BR Live and other streaming services. So I consume and watch all of my soccer coverage and, and entertainment and news uh, through the internet. So as a cord cutter for the Seattle against Toronto game, I was completely cut out of watching this match. So ABC is not available on Fubo TV and it's not available on my Sling TV. So I thought, okay, let me go ahead and try. Let me try watching the game now on the ABC app. Um, but tried to log into that, and it asked for an authentication, asked for a login uh, through my cable or satellite provider, uh, and Fubo and Sling TV was not included in that list. So I, I, I was stuck. I mean, I, I wanted to watch this game in English language. I could have watched it in um, in Spanish on Univision through Fubo, but I wanted to watch it in English language. 
And to be honest with you, Kartik, I, I couldn't be bothered to to go find my HD over-the-air antenna, find where that was, and then plug it in, and, and then try to figure out a way to get the ABC working, which it w- w- would have done eventually. Um, this, having been said, after watching probably about six hours of soccer before this, in terms of whether it was Liverpool-Man City, Man United-Brighton, Freiburg against Fr- Frankfurt. So... I, I, I essentially I, I skipped it. I, I was like, you know what? It's 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 not worth it. I'm just gonna you know watch the highlights later and and, and catch up on it. So I missed it. Um, the actual commentary, though, the commentary with John Champion and Twelman was uh, was as good as it normally is. Yeah, and it's just a huge upgrade. I think now with MLS. Um, and this is, again, uh, something Fox is going to have to be aware of. They've got uh, what three more years on this deal. Uh, ESPN has changed the game by having that champion Twelman combination call the big MLS matches under on ESPN and uh, ESPN affiliated networks. So Disney networks, I, I think you w- there should be a response from Fox. Uh, I don't know that there will be because I think they're very comfortable in, in how they present. And again, it's I, I don't want to make it a shot at John Strong. I think I mean I prefer John Strong to a lot of uh, European commentators. <laughs> there are numbers that I would say John Strong is better than, but uh, Champion is just elevated. It's just the I can't describe it, but you know what I'm saying. It's the way he calls the action, his cadence, his use of language, uh, his use of of uh, funny anecdotes. At the appropriate time. Mm-hmm. And Twelman feeds off it perfectly. So, uh, I, I, I yeah, think, it's really good. I think with Fox, though, it depends who's in the studio and who's in the commentary booth. So, for example, I watched uh, Bayern Munich against Dortmund, uh, De, De Classica, on Saturday. And uh, in the studio, you had Joy, uh, Ian Joy, Warren Barton, and Stu Holden. And I thought they had a really good conversation, discussion about, uh, I mean, the looking ahead pre-game to this match and the players that would be kind of the, the, the key players and the match, uh, the tactical matchup, etc., between these two different teams. And then the commentary itself with Keith Costigan and um, I think it was uh, Stu Holden uh, together uh, doing the commentary on that. And I thought that was really good too. I mean, Costigan's one of the best in the game, and actually Costigan and Stu Holden work great together. I, you know, I always kind of feel that the John Strong-Stu Holden partnership isn't as the best partnership for Stu Holden. Nothing against John Strong, but I think John Strong plays better with some other co-commentators, and, and you get the best out of Stu Holden when you have a somebody that's maybe a little bit more tactical um, as, as a lead commentator. But I would say with Ian Joy, too, I mean, this is something that uh, I'm not sure if uh, any of the listeners watched this game because it was on FS2, but really uh, kind of a shout-out to Ian Joy because right before the match, there was uh, a minute silence uh, for uh, Enka, uh, who had died a few years ago. Uh, yeah, 10th ten, ten, ten anniversary, actually. Yeah, yeah committed suicide and uh, pre-match. And this is a, a perfect example of how the Bundesliga usually struggles trying to become a, uh, a global uh, league in terms of, of appeal is pre-match the entire um, tribute the, well, over the PA was in German. Which, you mean, it, it, thankfully, Ian Joy stepped in and said, okay, I'll go ahead and translate this. So, you mean, you, you got the English translation of what the, the German uh, uh, public address uh, person was saying. So you really, that, that came across the television set. So not only did you see the pictures and, and hear the, the sounds, but you had Ian Joy translating, which, which that's a slam dunk. And, and there's not that many 
uh, you mean football presenters that could that could actually translate that. I mean, imagine if that was Rob Stone. I mean, you'd have you'd be listening to this thinking like, what are they talking about? What are they saying? I have no idea. Um, but so with Fox, they may not have even. They, uh, well, yeah, I guess uh, they, they 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 were doing it on Fox. But I was thinking if if Rob Stone were hosting, they may have just kept talking. Yeah, yeah, I might have been talking over it and just saying, "Hey, this is a tribute to uh, even a ten-year anniversary tribute to um, Inca commemoration of, of Inca." Um, but that's the thing, though, too. I mean, I, so I think with Fox, it depends a lot of the time who is actually even on on set and who who's uh, in in the booth because that does make a big difference. They can be good at times when they use the talent to the best abilities. Um, but anyway, over, overall, from the past week, Kartik um, saw a ton of other games, so Europa League, Premier League, Championship games. Uh, I went to the U.S. Women's National Team friendly against Costa Rica uh, here in Jacksonville, um, enjoyed that one, and uh, overall had a very good week of watching soccer. So Kartik, actually, let's move on to the big news and this was stunning. I mean, well, first of all, with the CBS news about CBS acquiring the Champions League rights in the United States for 2021 through 2024, um, as well as Europa League, as well as Europa Conference League, which is the new tournament uh, they're going to be debuting. What was your initial reaction, Kartik, when you heard the news? Um, I want to say I was stunned because everybody acted stunned, but uh, no, I wasn't. Actually, I was... Uh, uh, I was in the Miami FC office. Uh, I mentioned it to a few people. Uh, it's keep in mind we're owned by Ricardo Silva. Ricardo Silva has close ties to BN. Uh, we uh, we have people on staff that know people that are involved with CBS, including myself. And it felt kind of natural. And I know that's a shock to a lot of soccer fans. Um, what we had noticed in the last couple of months that CBS has, out, has increased its soccer output in terms of its website and its web division based here locally in uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. Their offices are actually in Fort Lauderdale. So um, there's been an increase in soccer coverage and output. In fact, uh, when you type in uh, into your search engine something about a given story in European football, it used to, you know, the things that used to pop up were were uh, the Guardian, Telegraph, ESPN. Uh, they, they were always top sites. CBS now, in the last six months or so, has crept into that because they have new, they have lots of news reporting. They they're producing um, some video content uh, related to, to to soccer. So um, I, maybe I would, maybe I was stunned that this is what they grabbed. Uh, maybe I was thinking. I hadn't really thought it through, but maybe logically they would have they would have gotten some second tier European league and thrown it on uh, CVS All Access uh, to build first. But it seemed somewhat natural, uh, given where CVS is, given that they don't have that much in the way of rights anymore. Uh, they're basically reliant on SEC football. They have the NFL, obviously, or the AFC, uh, SEC football and uh, college basketball. Now, SEC football runs Augie. To uh, to November and they get the SEC championship game. They're basically out of the bowl business. They have the Sun Bowl. That's it. They don't have any of the college football playoff. They don't have any of the uh, New Year's Day bowls. And then uh, college basketball basically runs for them December through March. Um, and then they have a lot of golf. I think they do a better job of covering golf than NBC, uh, but that's just a personal preference. I've, I've, NBC's gotten better with their golf coverage since uh, Comcast acquired them. 
Golf Channel, or, or since uh, sorry, Comcast acquired NBC and they already own the Golf Channel at that point. Um, th- so uh, they don't have a whole lot in the way of, of high profile programming. Uh, some of us who are of this age, you know, the age, the, the, the generation you and I are, are in, Chris, remember CBS having everything sports-wise mm-hmm. in the 1990s uh, that was uh, American sports-related. They had the U.S. Open tennis. They had golf. They had the NBA. They had Major League Baseball for, uh, for several seasons. And that, 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 that deal actually is what led to their downfall because uh, they paid, overpaid for the rights. NFL, NBA, uh, I mentioned all of this stuff, everything but the NHL and soccer content. So I think it's a pretty logical move. Um, it's also – uh, going to be a little different for consumers. There'll be probably as much behind the paywall as you have on BR, but you have a CBS All Access, which has a lower price point, and I want to say most importantly, um, now maybe BR would have gotten there, but the technology, the the the, uh, the the reliability of the streaming uh, is significantly better than what we've seen with BR Live. Yeah, so so what we know so far is that uh, CBS All Access, which is their uh, their own s- streaming service, uh, will have every single match. Uh, it'll be five ninety nine a month. Um, that's with advertising, or nine ninety nine a month, and that's without advertising. This will start in August twenty twenty one, and we'll go through to twenty twenty four. And select games will air on the broadcast network on CBS, uh, which is big news. So select games, what does that mean? Does that mean the final? Does that mean the quarterfinals? Does that mean the semifinals? We don't know yet. Um, there's been no official announcement yet from CBS. But Carter, so but, but Carter, uh, on this, I, I want to just jump in ahead, and say uh, weekday afternoons, it seems very odd that network uh, network would show uh, something over the air. However, um, if you look at the programming on CBS affiliates, particularly 3 Eastern to 5 Eastern, there's a lot of uh, early local news, talk shows, you know, like your Dr. Phil, that sort of stuff. I can see the preemption there. I think the 1 to 3 o'clock, uh, and I'm not sure how UEFA is going to do the time slots uh, uh East Coast time uh, in this next right cycle. But the 1 to 3 o'clock, I think, might be a little more difficult for them to fit on the broadcast network because of long-running soaps that probably get more viewership. Although, again, I don't know. Maybe viewing habits on soap operas have changed uh, in the on-demand era. So uh, that's really encouraging that they're going to put some games on broadcast television. And I think the final is a natural. will be on CBS. Uh, it being on CBS, I know we've had, we had nine years of the, the, the final being on Fox broadcast. I again, I'm a little older, so maybe millennials, uh, younger people don't don't they see Fox in the same light as they see NBC, ABC, CBS. Perfectly mm-hmm. fair, but for us of a certain vintage, there is a big difference between having a match, and this is why the Premier League does so well on NBC over the year. There's a big difference between having something on NBC and CBS and having something on Fox. Uh, it's just we grew up in a in a culture of three major networks. Uh, Fox. There, there are other reasons. Maybe the Fox's production value, uh, the, the fact that they don't re, they don't have the sort of relationship with their affiliate stations. Their affiliate stations tend to be leftover stations and markets. The three biggest local stations in just about every market. Uh, our NBC, ABC, CBS affiliates, or in bigger markets, own stations by those networks. So yep. I think it makes a huge difference. So this is this is important. I want to stress this right now. 
we saw a lot of, we still see with Bundesliga, a lot of preemption on Fox affiliates, right? Where they don't air the games. Uh, we saw, we've seen it with Bundesliga. We see, saw it with Champions League at one point. We've seen it even in, in, here and there with MLS, where affiliates, we know the one here in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, in my area, Chris, has routinely, regularly preempted games. They preempted more matches than they've shown. Mm-hmm. This will likely not happen with CBS affiliates to the extent it happens with Fox. It'll be more like what you see with NBC and the Premier League, where if there's an NBC affiliate in a market, uh, you can be pretty sure they're going to show the NBC programming in that time slot, which is a Premier League match. So uh, it's it's bigger for the Champions League than being on Fox. And I would say it's actually bigger for soccer fans in the United States than just the Champions League, because here here you have CBS for historically I, i've always said I, I think i've tweeted quite a few times is that i get the feeling that cbs hates soccer because they haven't gone into the business before other than i mean select nasl games uh, a few years ago and and way back when in the 70s and early 80s with uh, nasl but, but but really they've stayed out of the the soccer business yeah they've and, done some college soccer which has been uh uh i, I don't think anyone's noticed or cared but they, mm-hmm. they have done some college soccer smattering here and there but this is this is one of the biggest TV networks in the United States. I would say, actually, in many ways, that CBS is uh, probably a better position than ABC. Like, so ABC, my experience with ABC just from this past weekend, I mean, being ABC being part of Disney, is that uh, Disney and ESPN usually <laughs> charge the most for, for, for rates. So that there's a reason why Fubo TV and Sling TV uh, may not have ABC is because yeah, they yeah. charge so much. Cr- Chris, let me just, sorry to cut you off, jump in here again. Uh, and this isn't a shot at Disney because I, I think uh, they've done a wonderful job on cable. And I think uh, uh, they've done a, a, a reasonably good job uh, with ABC. But ABC has fallen into a position where they're, they're in many people's mind, the third network, uh, even uh, when it comes to uh, – they're ahead of Fox. Don't, uh, but there's a big three. And for many years in the 1970s, CBS was on top, um, and then NBC was on top. There were portions in the 1980s. There were times where ABC was the number one network, even for news, uh, documentaries, uh, 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 news magazine programs like 2020. Uh, I, I – feel like ABC has fallen off with their primetime programming. I think they've fallen off with their sports division being outsourced to ESPN, completely fallen off with that. And I think that they've definitely fallen off in their news division so, uh, since Rune Aldridge, the venerable Rune Aldridge, uh, retired. So yeah. CBS is in a really good position, and it's a really big deal for soccer because they're one of the two big networks. And so you have buy-in from NBC uh, on the Premier League front. Now you have buy-in from CBS on the Champions League front. And those are the two most prominent competitions, most visible competitions in the world. Yeah, and, and I would say that CBS is more accessible than ABC. I mean, pretty much all the, the major streaming providers, so whether it's Fubo, uh, Sling TV, AT&T Now, and uh, Hulu Plus Live TV, and others have CBS. Uh, many of them, I believe, do not have ABC. Well, I know, I know Fubo and Sling TV don't have ABC. Uh, so that, that that's a big thing. It's a big deal. And when I say it's this is big news for soccer, it's because it changes the whole landscape. So now, all of a sudden, when you look at uh, Major League Soccer and, and the TV deal, which is going to end in 2022, and they're looking for the next TV deal, uh, you're looking at the Premier League and you're looking at that contract ending about the same time. Um, there's a possibility now that CBS might say, hey, well, we've got the Champions League, we've got Europa League and the Euro- Europa Conference League. 
why not let's, let's let's look into major league soccer let's look into the premier league let's look into putting in some bids on these to see if we can acquire those and, and build the soccer properties there's no guarantee that they will but it does add a lot more competition uh to the marketplace which the leagues must be loving they must be just salivating over, over the possibility of of um CBS coming in and trying to counter a bit against, say, an NBC or, or a Fox. Um, so it's a healthy thing. At the end of the day, though, Kartik, it might be that it, we don't, it might be that just for the UEFA Champions League, it might be just the final on CBS and all the other games on CBS All Access. That's easily quite a possibility. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, it's it's a strange business when you think about it in the United States because. With CBS All Access, with with any streaming solution. So if you look at ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus has been gobbling up all these different soccer rights. You look at CBS. CBS might say, ah, for television, is soccer really a good fit for us? Really, I mean, in terms of having a lot of coverage, we don't have the um, same thing with ESPN Plus. We, we don't have that much uh, spaces on time windows on each weekend during the season. We wouldn't be able to actually. Uh, actually uh, televise a lot of soccer games because we have college football and NFL. So let's go ahead and put it on our streaming service and sell that subscription. And, and maybe that price increases well, by the time Champions League comes around. I think, I think significantly with their college football, I, I, uh, it's not like ESPN and Fox that are having pregame shows at 10 in the morning and then a college football game starting at noon Eastern time. CBS has one package. In college football, it's a package they've had for over 20 years. It's the most successful package. It's just the SEC. It's like NBC having the niche with the Premier League. The SEC is the uh, college football equivalent of the Premier League in that it's the league that uh, every that, that has the most visibility. I've made this comparison before. They only have that one league, uh, Chris. So they show that those games every Saturday at 3.30, which means if they got the rights to some soccer property, much like NBC, they could pigeonhole those 12.30 Eastern time, 1 o'clock Eastern time matches uh, in before college football. It would actually fit their programming schedule perfectly, as it has with NBC, because NBC only has one college football package, which is Notre Dame, and that's even more sporadic than than uh, SEC. So uh, I CBS and NBC are actually better positioned to show European football uh, on their networks uh, than Fox or uh, uh, ESPN. Fox has gone all in on college football in the last decade, which was something they were not uh, particularly interested in before they got the BCS rights in 2006 right. or so. So and it, um, and, and it, CBS might be a good, good option for yeah. a lot of leagues to look at now. Serie yeah. their rights are up soon. Yeah, and with Fox too, in terms of college football, if any of you listeners have watched uh, the Fox's coverage, that's where Rob Stone has ended up. So he's yeah. hosting a lot of those shows. Nakartik, in terms of CBS, have there been any um, any clues or any hints that CBS may have been interested in trying to bid for soccer properties in the past, or at least any discussions? They... Um as you, as I think some of our listeners know, I actually uh, uh, did a, a couple of NASL games for them as a co-commentator uh, a few years ago uh, in 2016 when they had the rights. And uh, I think you mentioned that earlier, that NASL rights. They had, at the same time, uh, were talking about increasing their uh, video 
output and written content output about soccer. So I would, again, say that started around 2016. And uh, they've gradually built it. They've uh, up to where in 2019, they, they've nabbed a couple personalities, gotten some people involved uh, on, on the written side. Now, a lot of CBS's writers are dispersed all over the country, uh, but they've uh, uh, so they're not necessarily centrally located, but they've built soccer content. So my thinking was they would not have just built that in a vacuum because what I noticed with NBC was NBC had no soccer or anything, right? And they would show the Summer Olympic uh, women's and men's tournament every four years and, and really not do a very good job with it, right? Uh, they wouldn't cover it properly, in my opinion. Uh, and that as uh, – after the 2008 Beijing Olympics, where I was very frustrated with NBC's coverage, and the U.S. won the gold medal in, uh, in, in the, on the women's side, very, very frustrated with their coverage of soccer, they began adding more and more content on their website, which, by the way, NBCSports.com, not as uh, big in the, in the sports web space, not mm-hmm. as prominent in the sports web space as CBSSports.com. Um, CBS this whole time has very little soccer content. Although I should mention, I, I believe soccer net, which eventually got bought by ESPN and is now ESPN FC did start out as a CBS owned, uh, soccer site to try and get some, uh, they had partnered with the daily mail on it initially. This was like 20 some odd years ago, right. uh, big infancy of the web. Um, cause I, I know a lot of that content came out of, uh, um, CBS. Yeah, that'd have been like 97, 98, 97, 98. Yeah. Um, Quick info also, I think, may have started with CBS. Uh, but then CBS kind of got out of that business of international sports and websites. They also owned uh, uh, a bunch of uh, – a, a, a company that did a number of the college athletic programs websites, uh, CSTV, um, got out of that business. But um, my, my point being that they, they began to build up soccer uh, – actual original soccer content previously they would have some wire service reports there would be no soccer tab on the cbs sports website there would be no uh prominent display of soccer stories that all began to change i would say around 2016 and i being naive at the time thought oh it's because they got our league's rights right the nasl Mm -hmm. rights but it had nothing to do with that because it was all about it was basically European football content. Uh, so, some U.S. men's national team, women's national team, but mostly um, uh, European. So I think maybe it's surprising in hindsight that they didn't make the run at it last time when Turner uh, bid over the moon for it. Yep. Uh, but but again, CBS being in a in a good position uh, just in general in, in the media space probably thought, okay, these are three-year right cycles with UEFA. Um yeah. Maybe we maybe we, we we build our soccer operation, see where we are uh, in a couple of years, and then make the bid, and that's what they did. And uh, for Turner, uh, I don't know. I guess we have to talk about what this does to them. Yeah, for Turner Sports, I mean, I, I mean, first of all, CBS. Um, according to one of my sources for this one for for the Champions League, they bid about a hundred million a year to get this uh, collectively. Uh, Univision and um, and CBS together was it's 150 million dollars uh, a year for the rights. So I'm sure that ESPN mentioned that they were uh, planning on going in and bidding on this one. And uh, the surprise in this all, all of this is how much that CBS is paying. 
but I mean that that's where the rights are in terms of um, what what you know, what broadcasters are paying. And we're at a time too, really, where um, if CBS wanted to make a strong commitment to soccer uh, to come in to acquire some rights, I mean the Champions League is perfect in terms of of something that's I mean it's some of the best teams in Europe. Uh, playing some high-level games. I mean, it's an attractive property. This is a great way for CBS to really enter the soccer market in a big way. Having said that, I mean, Turner Sports uh, also went in on the bidding on this one too, but um, this really leaves Turner Sports in, in a tough spot because now they go into, well, they're not even into the final season of of their coverage, but they've got the, the rest of this season. And then they've got next season, which is going to be their final season uh, broadcasting the Champions League for viewers in the United States. Um that's a long way to go where it, the same thing happened to Fox too, where um, I think it was with the, um, well, yeah, with the Champions League where Fox went into that final season, knowing that uh, Turner Sports had already acquired the rights to the UEFA Champions League for the season after that. Um, and where does Turner go from here? I, I, I don't really see them on the television side um, going back in for soccer. Now the BR live, um, they ha- they still have the Scottish rights. Um, I think they be- have the Belgian rights um, and some other select leagues, which is very limited in terms of the coverage. I mean, they have Liverpool TV, they have Arsenal TV, they have uh, Borussia Dortmund TV. So they have some club channels. Uh, but those are things that probably, well, definitely do not cost much money in terms of acquisition fees. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with BR Live if they they're focused after... Uh, 2021, the summer, whether they decide to kind of kind of shrink back and not do as much soccer coverage, uh, or try to go back in and try to acquire some soccer rights. My thinking is is that this is pretty much, I mean, kind of uh, the peak has already happened for Turner Sports, and I don't see them coming back into the soccer market. It's a tough market, um, and they've made so many mistakes along the way. Uh, they've made some improvements. They've tried some experiments. Um, and uh, even the BR Live platform has had problems, but they're going to be rolling that back into the Bleacher Report app, which is going to take a couple of years. Um, the other thing, Kartik, going back to CBS for a second, is um, the big question is, is we don't know about talent uh, or how they're going to uh, broadcast or cover the Champions League. Uh, uh, CBS does have studios in Connecticut and Fort Lauderdale. Uh, if they decide to use the studio in Fort Lauderdale to go ahead and uh, cover the Champions League, I would say I would be very uh, confident in saying that my expectation is, is that um, CBS will probably try to get some of the talent from from uh, being sports uh, to try to acquire those people. So whether it's studio talent or whether it's commentators, uh, they're just down the road. Um, a lot of those uh, talent live in the area. Uh, there's a big opportunity there to to bring in some of that being sports talent and uh, instantly have some talent available in that area. What do you think, Kartik? Do you think they would go out? I mean, well, actually, this is a, a, a bigger question. You having watched CBS for years and years and years, um, compared to me, who probably hasn't, hasn't, hasn't watched hardly any CBS because they haven't had soccer, what what's your thinking in terms of CBS's strategy in terms of um, the voice of the Champions League? Are they more likely to have their own kind of local talent, or are they going to likely to use more of the world feed? What's your thinking in terms of listening and, and watching CBS? What they may be thinking in terms of putting their stamp on the Champions League and what that might may be. 
Yeah, I haven't watched the NFL in over a decade, so I'm not sure how they present the NFL. I haven't even watched Super Bowls, if I'm being honest with you. So uh, I don't I don't know what they do with that. Uh, college football, they have a studio show, uh, but then they have a very clear uh, voice of the SEC, which was Vern Lundquist, is now Brad Nessler. Uh, and then Gary Danielson is the analyst. Uh, one time it had been Todd Blackledge. So they have a they have one fine finite you know top team that they have to call the SEC. Golf is kind of instructive. Uh, the PGA Tour coverage on CBS and then plus they have uh, rights to the uh, Masters. They've had uh, the Masters since the 1950s and uh, the PGA Championship, which they've had since I think 1991. Uh, they have brought in a lot of foreign voices. Uh, uh, Peter Osterhaus, who, who's uh, uh, who was on for many years. David Faraday is still on. Uh, they've had uh, uh, a couple of uh, Nick Faldo is their is their lead commentator, lead co co commentator. So they've uh, uh, been willing to br uh, bring in uh, Australian voices, uh, uh, British voices, European voices on their golf coverage. Uh, similar when they had the U.S. Open in tennis, which. Uh, uh, if you if you follow tennis at all, everything is on ESPN now other than the French Open, which is still on NBC. It's a lone holdout. Everything from the ATP tour, everything is on ESPN. So they've monopolized uh, um, tennis. So CBS hasn't had that in a number of years, but at the time when they had that, they would bring in some diverse voices. I think they probably will have one team that they have called the primary match. Uh, they won't have multiple teams like Fox. Maybe they're calling it out of the studio in Fort Lauderdale or the studio in Connecticut, uh, fly over for certain matches. I, I don't think it'll be like Turner where they go all in on the international feed. However, I do think there'll be more international feed than, than native announcers. But they'll pick one. They'll, they'll, they'll pluck one major soccer commentator from probably from BN. Uh, let's be honest about this, mm -hmm. uh, f from BN, and you can start speculating, uh, or people who were formerly at BN, you could speculate about that as well, uh, people who were at BN as recently as a year ago, uh, there's there's several names that could come to mind, and uh, pair them with a co-commentator, probably someone also who's been at BN, and, uh, and, and build it that way. As far as studio shows, they will have a studio show. Um, who will host that? Uh, again... Uh, I'd look at BN. I, I don't think they're going to go with the, the, the people Turner has had unless um, they, they they work through a specific uh, sports agency. I don't want to get too deep into this in this yeah. podcast, but a lot of Turner's talent has ended up there because of uh, affiliation with a single agency. Uh, CBS has a much more uh, diverse uh, diverse uh, portfolio of sporting rights and media rights than Turner. So I think they would be less reliant on going to a single agency to staff, uh, which I think uh, gives you some possibilities of having more diverse voices and better voices and just better overall coverage, even if it's all behind a, a paywall uh, uh, online. Uh, or mo most of it is, you will not have the clunkiness you do with BR Live. Uh, the one other thing I want to point out before we move on from this Champions League discussion is there have been significant concerns about the reliability of the BR Live platform in terms of streaming, in terms of logins. Uh, we know they built that technology really quickly, right? And you you wow. reported on it yeah. uh, at the time, Chris. And uh, I think that that more than anything is is probably why CBS is going to be a massive upgrade because CBS All Access is reliable. Uh, CBS is not going to have a clunky-looking uh, platform. 
Uh, I think that there'll be uh, uh, no hidden costs with it. I think uh, because CBS is who they are in the general media space, I, I don't think they'll uh, they'll be uh, all of these problems. Now, the one thing I do have to point out is if they don't recoup some of their losses, some of their investment in year one, could we see an NBC Sports Gold type model uh, where and then or a change in their model like we saw with NBC, which gets everybody irate? It's possible. But um, I think through your right cycle, maybe they'll, they just won't even have time to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's exciting times. Um, so for any listeners who are curious um, on on the site on the website worldsoccertalk.com, we've got everything on there in terms of all of the news. So we have a video that has a walkthrough of uh, CBS All Access to show you what it looks like. Uh, we also have a Q and A that goes through uh, what you need to know about everything about uh, all your questions that you may have. Uh, we've got about you know, probably about twenty or thirty questions on there, as well as uh, insights that we learned this week in terms of um, what CBS is saying so far about the Champions League coverage, and um, and also to uh, once the news is official, which it hasn't been officially announced yet. Uh, although uh, CBS has confirmed confirmed that they will they have acquired the rights. Uh, we'll have a lot more coverage, and, and we're hoping to have some interviews with the CBS sports executives to find out more in terms of their strategy and vision. So, so check that out at worldsoccertalk.com. Now, Kartik, moving on to the next news item. And this is one of those big news items every year. Everyone talks about the MLS Cup final and looks at the TV rating and, and then goes ahead and makes uh, you mean, observations and, and uh, kind of insights uh, in regards to that number and what it means for Major League Soccer. Is it on the... Uh, up and up, is it on the downward spiral, wherever it may be. So for the Seattle-Toronto MLS Cup Final, uh, for uh, English language, well actually no, English language and Spanish language television in the United States, uh, the viewership was 1.27 million. Uh, for ABC, Univision, Tuduene, and uh, TSN in Canada, uh, so US and Canada, uh, the viewership was uh, 2 million viewers. Kartik, you mentioned before earlier on this podcast, you thought the numbers were pretty good. What, what's what's your take on it? Yeah, I think my I think the numbers are pretty good considering there was a Canadian team in it. Um, and this is the T, comparing the TSN and ABC numbers. Okay, this is something I have pointed out time and time again. I even saw it in my time at the NASL. Um, Canadians are much more into watching soccer and their local teams uh, than uh, than Americans are. So. The numbers, relatively speaking, out of the overall pie of people who watch, uh, who have TSN or, or, or have uh, access to, to cable television in Canada, um, the, the, the rating number for even MLS regular season matches that involve Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, particularly Toronto and Vancouver, they drive more, more numbers than Montreal, are very high. In the NASL, we had this where I, I would see – even just the, the analytics on social media and on video for our Canadian teams, Edmonton and Ottawa, and then Montreal before they jumped to MLS, were much higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is something that is a recurring theme that I notice in the media space that American media doesn't necessarily pick up on and American fans don't necessarily pick up on. And why um, the Canadian Premier League has been so successful in this first year and I think eventually – um, I, I don't like cross-border leagues, so I think eventually uh, those Canadian teams need to be in their own league down the road, uh, those three Canadian teams. Clearly, the CanPL is not at that level yet but uh, for those teams to jump, but maybe in 10 years it will be. But the numbers in Canada, to me, are always very significant and blow American numbers out of the water, really. 
yeah, when you, when you think about it in relative terms. And and that's the thing there too. So so I re- uh, led this week. Uh, I think it was on Monday with a story that uh, mentioned the Seattle MLS Cup final TV ratings, and in the headline mentioned uh, disappointing. And it's amazing how much flack I got for mentioning the word disappointing as if it was like a really negative word. It's just a a matter of fact. Those numbers to me are disappointing on the U.S. side. Now, the Canadian side, Kartik, you're absolutely correct. Um, The viewership on that one was 748,000 people that watched that game on TSN. And TSN is is in 8 million homes. In comparison, ABC is in 119 million homes and the viewership for that game on ABC was 823,000 viewers, uh, just just a little bit, tiny little bit more than what TSN had with uh, just 8 million homes. And and that's that's where, to me, where I mentioned disappointing, and I, I, I am disappointed by those numbers. When we heard the news that um, the MLS Cup final was going to be on ABC, I'm thinking, okay, wow, this is going to be huge. The ABC, it's been so long since um, any games have been on ABC. Last year's final was, what, 1.5 million on Big Fox. And the number on ABC was almost 50% less than what uh, Fox had last year. And and that's and that's the that's the issue that's the concern I have and that's why I mentioned disappointing is because of the ABC number, uh, the Univision and to do NA number was four hundred forty seven thousand, uh, which is much greater than what they had last year. That number is strong, uh, but again going back to the ABC and the ABC number, um, not only did I get called all sorts of different names, uh, some of them I can't even repeat on this podcast. But got a lot of abuse from Major League Soccer fans because I mentioned the word disappointing. Uh, even Taylor Twelman uh, from ESPN. I mean, we had this big Twitter uh, debate back and forth where Twelman called me out for uh, saying, like, how can you be disappointed with um, with the the viewership for the ABC number, the one point two seven million, when Liverpool against Man City is considered a success at one point two million, just a little bit less. And and the answer to that question is that because. Um, the Liverpool Man City game was not on free-to-air television, was not on NBC. It was on NBCSN, which is a cable channel, which is in 84 million homes. It's not in a, in a same... You know, it's on ABC level. It's in almost 120 million homes. So so that that's kind of the feedback there on that. Uh, awful announcing, the website even wrote, ESPN's Taylor Twelman stated in a very, very stupid argument with World Soccer Talk to try and claim that the US MLS Cup numbers were good. And I was surprised, really, because of uh, Twelman, who I respect as a co-commentator. I think he's one of the best in the business in the United States because he became super obsessed and almost super defensive about the TV ratings from this final. I was just stating that I was disappointed with it, stating the numbers. uh, But he seemed really, really upset by this, and I was really surprised by that. I I think part of it, Kartik, for me is that when we look at this game or take a step back from this game, uh, and actually, I, I got some correspondence from uh, ESPN's PR people, too, saying that, um, hey, Chris, uh, just just to point out in terms of the numbers, uh, locally within Seattle, it did great. Uh, Toronto is not a Nielsen market, so we don't have the number of, the, of viewers for that. But lo- on a local level, it did great in Seattle. And, and my point is, while that's fair, uh, that's all good. My point is, is that this is a national game. This is the, the final of a, a national league, or actually two nations. This should be much bigger, no matter who's in the final. Not not just in Seattle, not just in, in Toronto, whichever cities are, are playing in that final. 
And there's been so much focus on kind of the local level in terms of uh, TV ratings. For example, if Boston Red Sox met, met the New York Yankees in the World Series, uh, then American broadcasters and journalists would be talking about the huge boost in TV ratings from the New York and Boston markets. Uh, but if it's Washington Nation- Nation- Nationals against the Houston Astros, then people complain about how poor the TV ratings are. And for me, Kartik, it's a little bit weird because when we're watching a game, whether it's Liverpool against Man City or, I mean, no, no matter who, which clubs it is from around the world, um, I mean, those clubs don't have a local city in the United States. I mean, this is a kind of a national game. This is an international sport. And we're watching this for the pure enjoyment of it. And I understand if, if you're not a Seattle fan and you're not a, a Toronto fan, you may be less interested in watching it, but you still tune in and watch the final, the biggest game of the season that should have a lot of relevance in terms of who's the best team in Major League Soccer. What's your take, Kartik? Am I, am I off on this one? Or, um, I mean, well, this I, comes, I think this it's comes significant, to... this, the Seattle number, because uh, we've seen when LA teams or, or New York teams are, are in MLS Cup, it doesn't, uh, there, or New England was in, has been in MLS Cup many times, and when we've seen the Boston market, there's no move. They're, they're, LA, the times the Galaxy were in the MLS Cup, uh, which has been frequent, the uh, LA TV market number is just only slightly higher or mirrors the national number yeah. in terms of te- tele- in terms of rating for uh, uh, market share. So I, I go back to the 2009 MLS Cup, the first one that was on ESPN, uh, that when it shifted from ABC, Galaxy, Real Salt Lake, that match was in Seattle, actually, in prime time. Uh, the Galaxy uh, were uh, were the top team in the league, and the television rating in the LA TV market was the same as it was nationally. It was like a 0. 0.8 or 0. 0.9. The Salt Lake market, it was like a, se- a seven share. Um, so I think it is significant, but look, it is significant, but it's also not news that Seattle supports uh, it, Seattle fans are more into the Sounders than maybe any fan base is into their local club uh, in the United States. Uh, local club side long term and in fact we found that Seattle fans a lot of Seattle fans aren't interested in other football they don't care about the U.S. men's national team they don't care about European football that makes it very different than Portland people lump Portland and Seattle together Portland fans tend to be connoisseurs of football of all kinds you know all, all sorts and wake up at wee, the wee hours of the morning to watch uh, watch football and then do their March to the Timbers match later in the day so um, it is significant the rating in Seattle but it's also not news because Seattle is you unique in the markets which MLS is in, in that not only, I think maybe Atlanta now mirrors that, where the Atlanta fans tend to be focused on Atlanta United and no other football. They don't care about the U.S. men's or women's national team. They don't care about European football. There are other markets where MLS is successful. Orlando, in in our neck of the woods, comes to mind, but the Orlando fans are also fans of European football. Uh, The fans of of, uh, some of these other teams, Kansas City is a successful team, but those fans are also watching European matches. So uh, Seattle is very unique. Yeah, so, so Seattle, without any shadow of a doubt, is a great soccer market. So is Portland, so is Atlanta, um, and, and probably a couple other cities in the United States. But but my point is is that um, nationally, Major League Soccer is largely irrelevant. I mean, now, so if it's your local city that's playing in the final, then there's a lot of relevancy. But it shouldn't be that way. To me, it should be – this is the biggest MLS uh, game of the year – um, this has the most importance. So if people aren't tuning in, 
that says a lot. I mean, that says, I mean, if the numbers are 50% down, and yes, there's a whole host of different reasons why in terms of the kickoff time, in terms of uh, you know, Major League Soccer going up against the NFL, all these different reasons, which is something that Major League Soccer knows about ahead of time, has known about for years in terms of the scheduling, has made no changes to actually to, to make an impact here. It's just kind of going on kind of blindly year after year, still going up against NFL games. It, it's just, I mean, to me, it, it's just disappointing. It, it's disappointing because I think that in many ways that, um, I mean, I've been called anti-Major League Soccer, uh, you know, all sorts of different names this week, and, and, and I'm proud to be an American, but I'm not proud of Major League Soccer in terms of the way that the business has been run. I'm, I'm proud of Major League Soccer, the clubs, the players, the supporters groups, uh, kind of the, the grassroots, the, the foundation, kind of the bottom up. I'm not proud of the top down in terms of the decisions that they're making in terms of trying to go up against the NFL, trying to have a, a season that um, really goes on, on, on too long. It shouldn't be playing into September, October, November. You I mean, you should be looking at the scheduling, looking at the calendar, looking at making some changes. They're going to have a real change for the way that this league is televised. And, and I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing any progress. Um, and that's one of the reasons, too, I'm disappointed in, in that number. I expected easily on ABC, I was expecting probably 1.5 to 2 million viewers watching this game. Instead, we got 823,000. Now, Kartik, uh, one last news item before we heading into the next uh, segment. Yes, uh, Spanish TV will not bid on the Super Cup rights due to the Saudi human rights record. Uh, quote, we feel... Uh, we and I, I said Spanish TV, I believe. I didn't say Saudi TV. Um, quote: We feel we should not bid for a Super Cup, which will be played in a place where human rights are not respected. Unquote. Spanish uh, Spain's public broadcaster said, adding, "There was particular concern over the rights of women." Uh, the Spanish Super Cup is scheduled for January with uh, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Valencia, and Atleti. Uh, this is very, very significant. There was a lot of uh, concern about Spain and, and the revamped kind of cup format and taking the Super Cup to Saudi Arabia. Italy has done something very similar. And uh, uh, from my personal perspective, it's I think this is a, a very good to see that there's a, a pushback against this from uh, public television in Spain. All right, moving on to TV ratings, and uh, we will have the full list at worldsoccertalk.com. We will talk about one of them, Kartik, one of those numbers, and that's Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund, uh, De Classica. Uh, the biggest game of the season for the Bundesliga. This game, unfortunately, was on FS2 because uh, FS1 and Big Fox had uh, college football. And the viewing number for this game on Saturday was 71,000 people tuned in to watch this game, the biggest game of the season. Where, where does the Bundesliga go from here, Kartik? I mean, I mean so FS2, uh, off the top of my head, in terms of the number of um, uh, homes it's in. I, th- I believe it's about 70 million view- uh, homes in the United States, um, maybe even a little bit more than that. Then you look at uh, ESPN Plus starting next season, which currently is in 2 million homes. Um, the viewership for Bayern against Dortmund at 71,000 on FS2, I mean, I mean, that's probably going to be a peak unless they can get it on Big Fox or FS1 in the, the, the other game, probably uh, early next uh, 2020 or usually in the spring. But, but where does the Bundesliga go from here? Have they hit, hit a peak and it's down from here? 
Yeah, I think it probably is. I, I mean, for this match, I uh, I had to go. We had the NISA Championship for uh, East Coast Championship for Miami FC. I was at the stadium from 11 a.m. onward uh, till 11 p.m. Right, so I, I missed this match, but I DVR'd it. Um, I saw the score. I was so disheartened. I never watched it. I don't know if there are other people who are in that uh, disheartened because I don't like Bayern um, and I, I tend to uh, support Dortmund in these matches. But um, I, I don't know if there were other people in, in the same boat I was in that saw the score and said, oh, this is typical Dortmund. Every time uh, there's an opportunity for them to, uh, to, to to beat Bayern in a significant match, when Bayern's on the ropes, they never do it. Uh, and Lucien Favre, uh, I think his job is very much on the line in the next in the coming weeks. But, yeah, that number is embarrassing. It's terrible. And I don't know that uh, if you can't get an audience for that match, um, I don't know how you do it. And, yes, they've got this ESPN deal, but these matches, except for maybe this game, the Derek Klassiker, and maybe uh, some other significant Bayern matches and Dortmund matches, Dortmund Schalke, that derby, uh, etc., will be uh, 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 behind the uh, ESPN Plus uh, uh, streaming wall. Uh, I I just don't know that the audience is going to grow. And uh, look, uh, Muchen Gladbach is doing very well in the league now. They're top of the table. They're four points clear. You've got uh, a lot of competitive. Uh, a lot of competition this year in the Bundesliga. It's been exciting. The top teams have consistently been dropping points. It's been much more competitive, in my opinion, in the Premier League, where we already know who the top four are going to be at the end of the season in the Premier League. It's just what order are they going to be in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this season, we know who the top four are. It's done. But uh, still, there is a perception in this country that Bayern always wins the title. And when I've told people, even in my office, hey, the Bundesliga, they're watching a La Liga game on BN while we're in the office on a weekday afternoon, and I'm, I turn on the Bundesliga, let's say Friday afternoon, um, and uh, I'm saying, hey, this league's more competitive. There are 10 teams within five points, etc. A couple weeks ago, uh, it's, it's like, no, Bayern will win the title in the end. That's the reaction. Yeah. And uh, you don't have that about any other league except for France. And actually, in France, Monaco has won the title much more recently than Dortmund has or, or anyone other than Bayern. So um, it's a problem. I mean, what the Bundesliga needs in this country is Bayern not to win a title. Right, right. And, and, and even then, I, I, think, I think it's too late. You mean, uh, in terms of viewership in the United States, in terms of really making a big difference. Uh, short term, yeah, there's going to be some more headlines and there'll be more interest in the league. But um, Long term, I think they've missed the opportunity. And, and let's move on to the, to the um, listener mailbag. And the first uh, comment is from Bradley Moore, and he talks about this in, in a little bit of detail. He says, um, I read your article on the Bundesliga and what, what you feel it needs to compete in the U.S. soccer marketplace. My feeling is the league missed their best opportunity in the United States market during the 2012 to 2015 timeframe. Klopp was winning league titles with Dortmund and reaching the Champions League final. Bayern won the treble. The most well-known coach, Pep Guardiola, uh, skipped England and Italy to coach Bayern. Germany won the World Cup with top players not only in Germany but also exported to other top European sides. In time, the league would have benefited in North America from Pulisic's uh, rise at Dortmund and Chicharito's uh, stint at Bayer Leverkusen. But the Bundesliga was on Goal TV, which during that time lost households due to La Liga heading to BN. One of the great what-ifs in the last decade, what if Fox had retained the Premier League rights in 2012 and after missing out, NBC gave the Bundesliga a chance to even put uh, 80% of their work they put into pushing the Premier League. I don't believe the Premier League would have been supplanted 
But if NBC had excellent Bundesliga coverage, I wonder if they would have attracted a lot more new fans, or at least provided a real alternative to the Premier League if Fox coverage remained subpar. Instead, the iron cooled, NBC got the Premier League rights, and solidified itself in the US market. Bundesliga never stood a chance against NBC's excellent Premier League coverage. Fox didn't help. And Kartik, I've never thought about that, but that's some really fantastic insight there by Bradley Moore and some great what-ifs. Yeah, I think for me, the the greatest uh, uh, what-if is that 12 to 15 uh, time frame. I think re-upping with Gold TV, even if they had gone to Fox at that point, I think they would have been in a much better place because those were years, again, Klopp did win uh, two successive titles at Dortmund. He became a very likable figure. Uh, I think a lot of him becoming a likable figure in the U.S. had to do with Fox's coverage of the Champions League, by the way. Um, So if they had been on Fox a right cycle earlier when – Gold TV was abandoned by by uh, Serie A and La Liga and went to BN, and BN started in 2012. Had at that point the Bundesliga moved to Fox, I think we're, we're talking about a different story. Now, no, they would not have uh, been anywhere near the neighborhood of the Premier League. But I think uh, more, than, more so than saying, hey, if NBC had attained the rights um, and Fox had kept the Premier League, I think if they had gone to Fox earlier, they'd be in a better place. Uh, but they didn't. And uh, they're where they are now. And uh, this is also um, a, a, a talking point for La Liga. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but La Liga stays on. And I had this conversation with a source the other day. La Liga stays on BN for the entire entirety of this global deal that's been signed with BN. La Liga, besides Barcelona and Real Madrid being in Champions League, and now that's going to be on CBS, so they'll have more prominence, will be nowhere in this country. So there is a... a Real cost in an emerging market like the United States for putting yourself virtually in the dark um, as, as a, uh, a European football league. And, and uh, yep. uh, even I, I think La Liga, um, I, I understand they might have some outs in that contract. They, they've got, I think, if BN doesn't increase its distribution uh, two or threefold in the next, uh, next year, they've got to find a way out. They got to find a way to Univision or to DNA or or, uh, NBC or someplace. Mm John Average Geek uh, goes on to say, I get the fan protests of the Monday Bundesliga matches from an away fan perspective, but not from the home fans. Not playing on Monday reminds me back in the 90s when SEC only played Saturday afternoons. League lost a little edge. Only when it expanded to other times did it grow. Martin McHaghy says, I'd rather pay $5 a month and I know I'm getting uh, games at certain times rather than paying nothing and never never being sure if a game is on all weekend. Sometimes it's four games on FS1, other times it's zero. Uh, This is talking about the Bundesliga. Point number two, I would have to pay more for FS2 or Fox Soccer Match Pass than I do for ESPN+. Plus which offers me much more besides every Bundesliga game in 2020. Lastly, I feel demeaned, maybe just me, he says, as a soccer fan to have NASCAR truck qualifying seen as more important to Fox than Bundesliga games with global appeal. If Fox prioritizes truck racing qualifying qualifying over soccer, then yes, I am happy for them to lose the Bundesliga. I will even go through extra steps of illegally streaming if need be, Frankly, Bundesliga on Fox is a fallback option on most weekends. Thankfully, I won't need to do that anymore because I'm getting ESPN Plus next September when the Bundesliga appears. 
some strong comments there about uh, the Bundesliga situation with Fox and and, and going back to Kartik to what you said about La Liga, yeah, and, and a short term. Short term, they got a, a, a ton of money in a global deal from being sports. Long term, you have to worry about um, the, well, not, not the sustainability, but but the success, the popularity of La Liga, especially after now that Ronaldo's gone and Messi's getting older. And, you know, I mean, maybe they missed the boat too, as well as the, the Bundesliga missing their boat. Next up is Paul Robinson uh, talking about last week's podcast with. Uh, guest uh, co-host Mark Donaldson and Paul says loved your synopsis of Gary Bertels he'd, he'd be complaining if he were sat on a tropical beach with margaritas and beautiful girls serving him the drinks he would find something that was wrong with the situation uh, Paul goes on to say I was watching a game last week that Gary Bertels was doing the commentary on Dazone Canada and my wife wondered if this guy just got out of bed the wrong way I informed her that he was like this all the time uh, her response was, why can't I just have Ray Hudson do Premier League commentary? And and that's the thing, too. I've been mean, talking about Gary Bertles is I love Gary Bertles for the way he is. Yes, he's negative. Yes, he's always like oh, frustrated. He's always like, well, why didn't the player you mean uh, hit the ball with his left foot instead of his right foot? He's always in hindsight complaining. But I love that about Gary. That, that makes him uh, very unique. Uh, Matt says, I really enjoy the pod and listen every week. I wanted to make a few comments about items that come up from time to time. I'm a big soccer fan, but also a big MMA, boxing and Formula One fan. So sometimes you guys make comments about the coverage or rights to these sports, but are not correct. FS, um, I'm sorry, uh, Formula One is currently with ESPN. They took over the rights this year from NBC. They actually have a deal with Sky Sports and mirror their coverage each race weekend, which is amazing for F1 fans on, in the US since NBC commentators were horrible. DAZN's main focus right now is boxing. They have uh, signed the sport's biggest star, Canelo Alvarez, to the largest deal in sports history, over $300 million. They also have the rights to other big-name fighters like GGG, Anthony Joshua, among others, and feature fights from the promoters Matchroom and Golden Boy. They do show some MMA as well, but that is secondary to boxing. They have a contract with uh, Bellator MMA in addition to some smaller companies internationally. You guys have to remember that MMA is the name of the sport, not UFC. Then there are leagues like UFC, uh, Bellator 1, PFL, Risen, etc., UFC obviously being uh, being the biggest one, and they have a huge deal with ESPN, ESPN Plus. I would say that they are most likely driving the subscription numbers for ESPN Plus more than any other property. Also, when you guys talk about pos- possible global subscription numbers for Disney Plus, and then including that with ESPN Plus, I don't see how that makes sense. Would ESPN Plus be available anywhere outside of the U.S.? The rights they have uh, for all the sports in the U.S. obviously wouldn't be able to show be shown in those other countries. Am I missing something with that? I guess they would. They could start a zone type service that acquires different rights for different territories, but I don't think they have discussed that. Uh, sorry to bring this all up, but I wanted to clarify some of these areas that were brought up from time to time. And uh, Matt, yeah, we, we really appreciate that because uh, I obviously don't know anything about uh, MMA uh, or boxing or fighting. But um, in answer to your question about ESPN Plus, I believe that they are planning on um, international expansion um, and doing very much like a DAZN model too, looking at different countries and those rights in those areas because ESPN has a ton of rights in Asia and Australasia and other places that um, 
they could put that that on some of those on ESPN Plus and yeah, uh, market I, that. Yeah, I can actually say from the South Asia perspective in India, they have uh, Disney acquired a ton of rights, uh, at, and that they uh, they have invested in, in Hotstar and other other places to throw things uh, to, to to dump some of those rights there. But I think it is something they're looking at. Uh, and by the way, I do completely agree on the UFC uh, ESPN Plus. Uh, UFC is a big driver of ESPN Plus. I I have uh, observed that myself. I think. I had uh, written an article a while back, a, a news item for Sport Business, uh, attributing uh, the, the the UFC rights to the reason why ESPN Plus numbers were so gaudy, in, in addition to uh, them folding insider subscribers, which was a little hidden thing they did, a little tricky thing they did. The people who had subscribed to the ESPN Insider written content suddenly got rolled over into ESPN Plus, and that spiked the numbers as well. Next up is Bill Reese, and he asks a very good question. He says, over the last few years, many uh, Liga MX games have been simulcast in English on Facebook or Twitter. Is there any reason that Tuduene could not simulcast Liga MX matches in English using the SAP button like they do with Major League Soccer matches on Unamas and Big Univision? Kartik, I'm not sure about this one. What about you? Do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I do. I, I think maybe uh, they, they don't have the, the talent in-house. I'm actually surprised they haven't because a big part of um, the push of 2DNA was to be bilingual and to have uh, bilingual rights, which is why I thought, uh, since I didn't bring it up earlier in the show, Champions League, they might try and acquire the Champions League rights in English to, to complement their Spanish rights. Uh, so maybe they will do this uh, – uh, at some point with Liga Emekis, or perhaps they just think that the audience that watches Liga Emekis, the vast majority of it is is, is consuming uh, their uh, their product in Spanish with Spanish mm-hmm. commentary. That that must be the reason, because yeah. obviously there's English commentary that's available uh, uh, at times, as, as, as you mentioned, and uh, they do do it for. Uh, for MLS, they've been doing it for MLS since 2015, at least. I remember 2015 them starting it when it was still U, uh, UDNA, uh, Univision Deportes Network. Mm-hmm. They they would simulcast those, or you would hit the SAP button, and there was English commentary. Yeah, and they have um, a lot of the rights in English language to a lot of the Liga MX clubs, um, but they're choosing not to go ahead and broadcast in English for for those clubs, even though they have the rights. I think the part about Facebook or Twitter, part of it is probably um, Facebook doing a deal with them. You mean Facebook coming coming in and saying, hey, we want to go ahead and have English language broadcasts of Club America home games on Facebook. Uh, We're willing to pay you X amount of, you know, who knows how much money uh, to have that on Facebook. Uh, And then Twitter maybe at the same time saying like, well, if Facebook's talking about it, uh, we'd be interested too. And this is how much we're willing to pay. I guess at the end of the day, Going back to your question, Bill, is is I think the perception is is that there's probably not enough uh, demand for that right now, and uh, Tudo Na could be holding on to those rights, thinking, okay, it's, it's it's whether it's Facebook or Twitter coming to 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 them with money, or holding off on that until um, there's an opportunity to grow that market to actually um, see see some you mean revenue coming back and, and making it worthwhile. So. Uh, in the meantime, they're pr- almost like protecting their assets in many ways in terms of keeping holding on to those English language rights. Uh, last up in the list of mailbag is uh, Bunty Kumar. He says, uh, watching the last few years of U.S. men's national team, it is symbolic of my sub, uh, my son's club slash club uh, college soccer experience. 
American coaches who do not emphasize or even understand the importance technical and tactical skill development. They want fast, athletic, alpha males who do not have any sense of creativity but try the brute force method to achieve immediate results. The arrogance of both the club and collegiate level is breathtaking. And now you are seeing the product of years and years of this culture. Even Pulisic looks uncomfortable and lost in the current U.S. system. This is a shame because he is a unique talent. Berhalter was a mediocre coach at best in Columbus and failed miserably when he coached in Europe. Why is anyone surprised? U.S. men's national team is getting exactly what they deserve. Kartik, um, agree or disagree there? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Berhalter has a system and a style he wants to play, which is a very Dutch style, which uh, is difficult to do with players who aren't tech- very technical. They're, they're, it's also very difficult to do with uh, uh, with players who uh, you don't have, uh, except for maybe five weeks out of the year, right? Uh, in camp, five or six weeks out of the year. So I think he, he's got a tough job. Um but, yeah, his results in Columbus were, were mediocre, a little bit over mediocre. Uh, he was able to uh, essentially build that team around foreign players. If you go back and look at the Columbus team, and I, I did a, a long analysis uh, right after he was hired for YanksterComing.com. If you're interested, check it out. Uh, that, uh, th- th- my analysis there was that he needed foreign technical players um, uh, to execute the way he wanted to play out of the back. And that I had a concern that outside of John Brooks, uh, and now we see the emergence of Aaron Long, but outside of John Brooks at the time, we don't have an American uh, central defenders that are technical enough to play out of the back. And we have fullbacks that uh, generally are poorly positioned in play. But then part of it could be the U.S. uh, Because, look, DeAndre Yedlin uh, is... A clear example of a guy that is being a consistently, you know, lower table, mid table, lower table Premier League fullback that can play consistently and play effectively consistently uh, for Rafa Benitez and now Steve Bruce for Sam Allardyce before at Sunderland, who is uh, generally liable for a goal or two a game or a mistake or two a game with the United States. So I think it's it's also the the camp and the surrounding circumstances, and we see this with a lot of the players who come in from the Bundesliga. I saw Alfredo Morales, who, I, who I've really liked at Fortuna Dusseldorf these last two seasons since they've been back in the Bundesliga, um, come in for one U.S. game. I can't remember which game it was. So I think it was in the September break. And just be disastrous. Maybe be like a 2 out of 10. But that's not the same player I see in the Bundesliga. So I think there's also something with the culture. When you have more technical players or players that have, got, have learned, um, maybe they're, they're, they may be less technical, but they have learned positioning sense and uh, the proper use of space and marking and, 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 and concepts like that, which are not often taught at the uh, youth level in the United States in a tactical sense, they have more tactical awareness, come to the U.S. team and just look completely out of their depth because of the, the camp and the surroundings. And maybe it's an unhappy camp. I think there are a lot of things that American soccer media may not be really analyzing with this uh, situation, but it's not good. And we're taping this the day before uh, – uh, a match here in Florida, here right. in Orlando against Canada. Uh, Canada, and it's uh, it's a pretty dire situation. If the U.S. doesn't get three points in that match, uh, they're not going to advance uh, out of the Nations League into the uh, into the semifinals, which is just a stunning situation when you consider the group that was handed to them. 
Yeah, one more thing on this two-car tick is this is coming back from uh, almost two years ago, but there was something that Jeff Cameron said um, in a piece he wrote for the Players' Tribune. And uh, what he said is, the powers that be in U.S. soccer have created a poisonous divide between the MLS players and the so-called, in quotation marks, European players. All right, well, we want you to have your say, so you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. In Kartik, uh, if they want to kind of uh, uh, get in touch with you or uh, find out what's going on in your, in your life, uh, hear your thoughts, uh, where's the best place they can find you on social media? KKFLA737 on Twitter. Excellent. All right. And you can always catch me at World Soccer Talk on Twitter. So thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, AudioBoom, Overcast, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. And Kartik, heading into another international break. Yeah. <laughs> what should they try to do? Try and enjoy your football. There is a USL championship match uh, this uh, weekend on ESPN, the ESPN Networks. Uh, their, their championship, Louisville uh, RSL's uh, B team, Monarchs. I'd watch that. It's competitive football, at least. It's not international football. So enjoy your football. <laughs> <laughs>